The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Today's sermon is pre-recorded. 
the full armor of God. Lord, today we need to be dressed in the armor. And we need to be on our way to the battle. Lord, would you make plain this word to our hearts? Thank you, Jesus. Quicken us now by your spirit. Lord, deliver each of your servants that have come to this house. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Did you know that the direction you go will determine the destination you arrive at? It sounds so foolish and so simple, but it's so profound. I used to say it another way. If you keep doing what you're doing, you'll keep getting what you're getting. There has to be a change of direction or everything will just continue as it is now. Are any of you tired of it as it is now? If you are, there has to be a change of direction. Now, to determine whether you're happy as it is now, you have to determine where your course will take you in the end. Now, when I played outside as a child, riding my bike, racing with my brothers, we could use a tremendous amount of energy playing tag on our bikes. We started from the house... We raced all over on our bikes playing tag, and we ended up at the house. Sweaty, tired, laughing, but we arrived where we started. All of that energy was expelled, but it didn't take us to a new destination. Compare that to the man who starts on his bike to go to California. Now that man has something very different in mind than my brothers and myself playing tag around the house. We're riding the same bikes. We're, we're extending our bodies. We're, we're giving all the energy. It looks like we're really pushing hard. But where are we going? Where are you going? Are you clear in your heart where you're going? And have you set out on that destination? I want to read some scriptures to you out of the book of Ephesians that are frightening. I'll begin in chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Do you notice it does not say put on the full armor of God so you can go down and have your pictures taken. It doesn't say put on the full armor of God so that you'll be warm. It doesn't say put on the full armor of God because you look so handsome in it. There is a purpose. There is a a reason behind putting on the armor of God. And that is to stand against the devil's schemes. 
and the devil intends to destroy you. Now, if you're not aware that the devil's trying to destroy you, it's probably because you're not headed down the road he's blocking. The devil doesn't bother if you're riding your bike around the house. He starts to get concerned when you set a destination and you begin to head toward that celestial city. Then he gets very angry. And then he begins to set up his schemes to knock you down, to take you out. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. My struggle is not with you. Even if you disagree with me, my struggle is not with you. Even if you get angry with me, my struggle is not with you. My struggle is with principalities and powers, demons, who rule, who have authority, who can do all kinds of strange things, who can cause sickness, depression, discouragement, financial loss. Demons who have the power to wipe out families, to cause strife between husband and wife, to cause chaos in the life. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If you think this is merely a matter of your making a decision, setting up your strategy for accomplishing that, and then going and doing whatever you want to do, you've missed a whole piece of the battle that could take you out. You think, my feelings are my own. No, they're not. Your feelings are manipulated by dark powers. I've seen people who are completely sane in all that they do suddenly be faced with the gospel and become insane in their stubborn rebellion and in their anger against the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've seen people who who smile and are very gracious and then suddenly discover that I'm a conservative, holiness Christian and a sneer goes across their face, and this wonderful, smiling person becomes a raging lion. I don't have a fight with them. My battle isn't with them. It's with the demon power that's controlling their heart and their mind. Now, we're going to talk about a number of issues. We can't cover them all, but let's touch some of the most important A human person can be pushed this way and that way by demon powers if they are unconscious of these powers. They can be convinced that what they think and what they feel belongs to them, while in fact it's all been slipped in by these principalities. So a person can say, this is the direction I'm going, And they're being led utterly astray because they haven't understood the way these demon powers function and operate, what their ways are. 
The Lord says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. What is the day of evil? The day of evil Cain discovered was was when God rejected his human flesh offering. And the Lord said to him, sin is crouching at your door and you must master it. The day of evil was when that crouching, roaring lion of demon spirit came after him, and he was defenseless. He had no armor on. He could not stand against the devil, and he was taken out. He lost his home. He lost his job. He lost everything of value that he held. He became a wanderer. So the day of evil that comes for all of us is when the devil puts his sight on you and says, I'm going to take you out. He'll use even good people to try to take you out. But he determines, I will not allow you to reach the destination of the celestial city. I'm going to cause you to curse God and kill yourself. Now, there are many ways to kill oneself. With a spoon, a knife, and a fork is one of the most common. With workaholic attitudes, with busyness, with lust for whatever attracts my eyes. The devil has many ways to cause me to take myself out. But let's look at the weapons, both offensive and defensive, that God has given to us. Put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, let me give you the actual, literal meaning of these words. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand perfect in all things. So he's saying, a day of evil is going to come against you. You need to be able to stand perfect against that evil and not let it touch your heart. He goes on, and after you have done everything to stand, That's not a good translation. A better translation would be, and after having conquered all, stand. So there comes a time in the battle when we stand perfect against that. And there comes a time when the battle is over and we have conquered Almost always the devil will come in waves. Remember when he tempted Jesus, it said he left Jesus for a more opportune time. What did that mean? It meant that Jesus had the armor of God on. He was ready for the battle. And when Satan came with everything he had against Jesus, Jesus overcame. He stood complete and perfect in God. And the devil couldn't touch him. 
And so the devil left to come back at a more opportune time. I wish the devil could be beaten one time and then he'd leave us alone. But he doesn't operate that way. He comes in waves. He comes, and if we stand, he'll be back. He comes, and if we don't stand, he takes us under. And then he leaves us for dead. And as we try to scramble back to our feet, he'll come back to knock us down again. And some of you have been knocked down time after time. In fact, it's hard to even get on your feet. Some of you haven't even gotten up from the battle. You come in here so beat up because you don't have the armor on. So let's look at what the armor is. Verse 14, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist. Truth here is not the Greek word logos that you find in John the first chapter. In the beginning was the word. It's also truth. In the beginning was the truth. That's not the word being used here. The word for truth here means to have absolute confidence in knowing what you know so that there can be no wavering in your knowledge base. You understand what the battle is. You know what's going on. And nobody can tell you that what you're understanding about Jesus is wrong. You know the truth. I mean, one of the first attacks the devil will make, time after time, he'll say, you don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. You can't do that. Trying to break down my absolute confidence in the truth. Now, I spoke about this a minute ago. The problem is when we're absolute confident in our truth, but our truth is a lie. Now we're in serious trouble. So the truth has to be reflected out of the scriptures, out of Jesus. So we have the belt of truth buckled around your waist. In those days, the buckle was large. It was a protective item for this part, but it was also an identifier. It had the name on the belt of who I'm fighting for. The Roman legion would have a sign of the Roman legion on the belt. So I'm going to, first of all, have the belt of truth buckled round my waist. Then I'm going to have the breastplate of righteousness in place. Righteousness, right behavior. I'm going to have in place no disobedience in my life. I'm going to have no willful sin. I'm going to have no rebellion in my spirit against God. I'm going to have no bitterness in my heart toward a brother or a sister. I'm going to have no accusations against another. I'm going to be standing righteous before God by the blood of Jesus, not declared righteousness, but real righteousness. Everything is submitted to the Lord Jesus. Today, the breastplate covers this area. You understand that this area right here, from here to here, is called the zone, where if you're shot there, you die. 
The breastplate covers the vital organs of the body. Righteousness covers the vital parts of the Christian's life. If you don't have righteousness, you have no defense against the enemy. Now, this would be horrible news if I was responsible for working up righteousness. But righteousness is a free gift. These both offensive and defensive weapons are given to us and become who we are. Truth is not something I buckle on and unbuckle. Righteousness is not something I put on for the battle and then take off when I want to play. These defenses against the devil are who we are, what we are. It's who we become in Jesus Christ. So righteousness comes one step at a time as the Holy Spirit exposes an area of my life that is unrighteous. And I cry out to the Lord over that. And I ask Him to please change that. To change my heart. To change my mind. To change my behavior. And I stay before the Lord and I cry out to Him over this until the behavior is changed. And love takes its place. That's a prayer closet transaction. So I wake up in the morning and I say, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to worry about anything except going to do what I've got to do. Well, are you dressed when you head out the door? Are you going to try to get dressed in the car on the way? Some of you actually go out in the morning, head toward work naked, hoping you can pull your clothes on as you're on the way. I'm going to shoot prayers at God as I'm on my way. Bless me, God. Bless me, God. That's not how you make sure you're dressed in the clothes. That righteousness is something that becomes who you are. It's It's acknowledging that Jesus is the head of your heart and your life and all is given into his hands and he's everything for you. And so wherever you go with the breastplate of righteousness, love is all that's going to flow from your heart. You'll have no condemnation for anyone. You'll have no bitterness and no anger. There won't be bickering between husbands and wives. There won't be irresponsibility. We'll be walking honest before God with integrity. Now what I'm describing is not something I can afford to take my whole life to get to. If I do, I'll be dead. This is something that needs to take a few hours, maybe a couple days, maybe a couple weeks at the most, and then be finished with it and be through. For most, that doesn't happen because we love our sin. We love our rebellion. And as long as we love our sin and we love our rebellion, we're subject to the arrows of the enemy that will pierce us and take our lives. We are in a war zone. If you have the illusion that life is a bowl of cherries, 
Wait till you get to the pits. Life is not a bowl of cherries. Life is a war zone. And we need the breastplate of righteousness to cover the vital parts. And only God can give us that righteousness. Stand firm then with the truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your fit with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, they would have their lower leg completely covered with heavy leather. If you take a man's leg out, he's out of the, out of the fight. He's wiped out. He can't walk. So the Lord is saying, protect your feet. Protect your feet with a willingness to go wherever you need to go to love somebody. Go wherever you need to go to reach out and take a hold of them in love. All of this is about not collecting money or stuff. It's about pulling men and women out of the fire and saving them for eternity. It's about the work of changing from wickedness into righteousness. If you get taken out because your leg is taken off, you'll bleed to death. What makes sure you're not going to have your leg taken off is when you're going where God has called you to go to do what he's asked you to do. You're protected. But if you're off on your own journey and you're lost following your nose, you're subject to being taken out. So he's saying, stand firm with the belt of truth, with the breastplate of righteousness, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Don't be ready to be defensive. Don't be ready to be angry. Don't be ready to judge. A gospel of peace is what we bring. Peace, you know, in the Hebrew is shalom, meaning all provision is given, all hospitality is offered. Shalom means I invite you into my family. Who is it that you need to be inviting into your family that you've been blocking out? Who is it that you've been giving not a gospel of peace, but a gospel of self-righteousness, a gospel of judgment? Let me talk for just a minute about sin. Sin is not passive. It is aggressive. It's alive. It's embodied in evil spirits, and it comes against you to destroy you. But it doesn't come like that. It comes with Madison Avenue marketing. It comes all gussied up. It comes looking gorgeous. But after you walk into it, it's like a Venus flytrap. You don't get out the way you got in. You only get out via the cross. So some of you this last week, 
have walked in sin and there's darkness. As you sit in this congregation today, there's darkness on your face. I've lived long enough to know that when I see darkness on the countenance of a person, it's because they have been indulging freely in sin. What will mark a man's face more quickly than any other is pornography. It will turn a man's face dark. It will cause him to be bitter and angry. It will cause him to have rage in his heart. It will cause him to feel unclean. It will cause him to be just miserable. Gambling. Lust of every kind. It mars the features of the face. It causes us to turn aside from the light because the light hurts our face. It causes all kinds of defenses to be put up. Is your face marred today by darkness? What does your heart say? Be honest with yourself. I'm not asking you to speak to anyone but yourself and the Lord. Is your face marred by darkness today? Have you been walking in sin and wickedness this week? The devil's trying to kill you. He's trying to destroy you. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. The shield of faith being spoken of here is a full length, a full body shield. A full body shield. You know, some shields were about so big around, carry them on the arm, covered with metal. Some shields were rounded so that a man could stand behind that shield when the arrows came. Or a man could get down and hold it over him when the arrows came, because they would come in waves. And if those waves of arrows find you outside from that shield, you'll die. And so in battle, they'd hide behind that that huge shield that would be a full-body shield to protect them from darts, from, from arrows, tipped with poison. He's saying that shield is faith. Now again, faith is firmness. Firm stand on the promises of God, not moved from the promises of God. It would be interesting to me, I wish we had time to come to each one of you and ask you, what promise of God are you standing on? This week, what promise of God has carried you through this week? If you have no promises, you have no defense. And the arrows can take you out. I mean, look at Psalm 91. From the arrow that flieth by day the pestilence that stalks by night. A thousand will fall on my right, ten thousand. Why don't they come near him? Because he has the shield of faith. Shields are heavy. And why do I want to luck a shield around? I mean, what would you think today if I'd walked in here and everywhere I go, I had this great big full body shield I'm carrying around with me. No, what are you carrying the shield around for? There's no danger here. We're safe. 
You know, do you think somebody's going to come in the church and shoot you? If you feel spiritually safe and you don't need a shield, somebody lied to you. Without a shield, you'll die. Now, a shield takes one arm to carry. Basically, that arm becomes useless for anything but carrying the shield. It consumes half of your strength. If you lay the shield down, it's much easier to walk and run and jog. But you have no protection. So the Lord is instructing us to spend half of our time on the promises of God. (laughs) You had a 40-hour work week. 20 of those hours should have been carrying your shield. I suspect some of you haven't carried your shield ever, or if you have, you've discarded it because it was too heavy, and you don't even know where to find it. I've had people say to me, Pastor, what promises should I use? My answer is anyone that will stop the incoming arrow that wants to take your life. Just about any promise will do the trick. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. Just pick one of them up and go to work with it. Stand on it. Stand behind it. You see, we don't want to do this because we believe that we are the prime movers in the world. We're not the prime movers. The spiritual realm is the prime place that all moving is done in. It's done by Jesus or it's done by the devil or their representatives. I'm not the prime mover in my life. I'm not here today because I decided I wanted to be at the National Prayer Chapel. I was sent here. I was guided here. I was commanded to be here. I'm here because this is where the war is God's called me to. So I have to have a shield of faith to deal with the attacks that come against me daily. You notice it says, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Could I give you some examples of flaming arrows? You know, if I were talking about Indians today, I'd say, you know, this is the Navajo's Indian, Navajo Indian's arrow. You need to recognize that. This one's the Comanche's arrow. You need to know how they operate because you're going to be traveling through their land and they'd like to take your hair. Well, let's be honest. If you're not going to be traveling through hostile land, you don't need any defense. You're traveling through hostile land and these darts have fire in them. So let's identify a few. I never get anything right. I'm dumb. Nobody loves me. I can't stand another day of this. Oh, there are other arrows. Hey, I can do it. I'm the man. I'm smart. 
I have a mind. I can figure it out. I don't need God to tell me how. I'm not, I've got a mind. I'll use it. God gave me a mind. I'll use it. Oh, there are arrows of every kind, and each is tailor-fit just for you. Life is hopeless. Life is wonderful. (laughs) Depending on which arrow will get through your defense, that's the one coming your way. I can't stand my wife. I can't stand my husband. I wish she'd just... If my husband would just then I could. If mom would just do it my way. If mom would just stop getting on my case. If these kids would just grow up. (laughs) If these kids would just shut up and listen, I'm the fountain of wisdom. Whatever the arrow needs to be, it will just fit perfectly your heart with fire. Now you notice 17, take the helmet of salvation. Again, the helmet of salvation is the full understanding of righteousness by faith. The intellectual understanding of how God works, of what God's ways are. Do you know God's ways? Can I give you some of God's ways that I've discovered? He always pays late by my schedule. That's a way of God. He never sends the money early. He always sends it late. Because he wants to see if I'll go do my own thing. (laughs) He wants to know if I'll wait on him. God wants to know if I'll wait on him. If I have a, a dinner date with my sweetie and we're coming from two different places and I get there and she's not there, And I wait for 10 minutes. And I see another beautiful little thing walk in. And I say, hey, you want to have some dinner with me? What do you think is going to happen? The Lord says, meet me here. The Lord doesn't show up on time. And I say, oh, there's a pretty one from the devil. Do you understand? God called Moses up on the mountain and let him sit for a week before he spoke to him. Why? He wanted to see if Moses would wait on him. Now, Moses had a pretty busy schedule. He had a million people waiting down there for his administrative expertise. He had all kinds of things he needed to be doing with those people down there. And guess what? They all did get in trouble with him up there. God was waiting to see if he would wait. I mean, I can see God now sitting up on the mountain. The mountain is burning and it's blazing. 
Moses is down there sitting and God's up on the mountain sitting. For a week. The fire continued to burn from the presence of God. Who'd he have up there that was so important that he would let Moses sit for a week? One of the ways of God is that he won't do what you ask him to do when you ask him to do it. Because he's going to let you wait and see what you'll do. Another way of God, he'll ask you to do something that seems utterly impossible. And he asks you to do that utterly impossible thing to see if you will go try to do it. If you try to go do it, you'll mess it up. I discovered this the hard way by hearing God say, go do that, and then off I was to do it, and God took a vacation. (laughs) And then I'm in the midst of this thing doing exactly what God told me to do, and God is gone on vacation, and I'm left holding the bag. And my only defense is, but God told me to do this. When God tells you to do something, he never means for you to do it. He means for you to wait on him and ask him how he'll do it. You see, I'm not the doer. Jesus is the doer. If God says, do this, then we go to the Lord and we say, okay, Jericho has to be taken. But I can't take that 40-foot wall down. God, what's your plan? And then he'll begin to unfold his timing and his plan to take Jericho out. And I have to have a meeting with him where he'll come and say, I'm not for you and I'm not for your enemy. I come as the commander, the Lord of hosts. You see, when God tells me to do something, I think then God ought to be on my side. But God doesn't pick sides. God has his agenda. And the question is, will I wait on God to step forward to accomplish what God wants to do? Will I meet with God? And will I listen to him? And then walk step by step as he calls me to walk. Now, I don't care if we're dealing with a healing of the body, if we're dealing with a marriage situation, if we're dealing with a job, if we're dealing with work and profession. In every area, God will always operate the same way. He will say, do this, and he means wait and get directions. And if we wait and get directions, he'll unfold for us what he wants us to do. He'll unfold the victory for us. If we go do it on our own, we'll hang. Because we'll end up following some rabbit from hell. So you have the helmet of salvation. And now the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is the offensive weapon. Every attack of Satan on Jesus was met by a quote from the scriptures. That's why we read it and read it 
and meditate. Nothing that you hear on the television will defend you when the devil comes. No piece of music will defend you when the devil comes. No computer will defend you when the devil comes. When the evil hour comes, this is the only weapon that will defeat his power. Now in verse 18, he says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Prayer is not, now I'm almost afraid to say this to you, prayer is not in Scripture a weapon to use against the devil. You want to talk about spiritual warfare? Prayer is not what we use in spiritual warfare. I know that goes against what some of you have believed all your life. It's not true. Prayer is the communing of the heart with God. Prayer is just the conversation we have. Is a telephone a weapon I'm going to use against the devil? No. No. All prayer is, is the telephone. That's all prayer is. It's a telephone. There's no power in prayer. The power is in who you pray to. So Paul does not include prayer as one of the weapons. Again, look at what the weapons are. Truth. Knowing absolutely for sure from the scriptures, what is true and what is false. Righteousness, that is your behavior, is the weapon against darkness. The choices you make, that's the weapon against darkness. Your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You're ready to go pour out your love everywhere you go. That's the weapon. That's how you survive a shield of faith, absolute confidence standing firm in Jesus Christ on the promises, the helmet of salvation, understanding righteousness by faith, holiness, justification, understanding intellectually the gospel, the good news, and the sword of the Spirit, the scriptures, Those are the weapons. Prayer is just the communication on when do I use the weapon and how do I use it. That's why I say to you, I only pray because I need answers. Prayer is not some exercise. You would never see me with my cell phone dialing numbers and holding it to my ear and talking into my cell phone and you say, who are you talking to? I don't know, I'm just having some yoga time. No. I only pray when somebody's connected on the other side. If there's nobody connected, I hang up and dial again. Amen. So I pray because I need something in the physical realm to change. My weapon is not prayer. My weapon is the promise of God. Now it says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. 
prayer at the dinner table, prayer as I'm riding in the car, prayer as I come to church, prayer when we gather for intercession, prayer in my private prayer closet, all kinds of prayers. Constantly, that connection with heaven should never be hung up on. Don't hang up on God. Yes, Lord. You know, what would happen with the U.S. military if you took out their communications network? Suddenly they have no longer any commuter, any uh, computer connections. They have no telephone connection. What's going to happen? Everything is utter confusion and breakdown. Don't hang up on God. Some of you dial God and you think he's not even listening. So you just hang up on him. Don't hang up on God. He hears every prayer you utter. Some he can't answer if there's unrighteousness in your heart. If there's sin, you don't have your equipment on. And if he sends you into battle, you're going to die. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the saints. So we cover each other with our prayers. How? As I'm talking with the Lord about you, I'm saying, is there anything I need to do with that person? Do I need to call them? Do I need to send them a card? Do I need to go visit them? What do I need to do to encourage their heart? Lord, instruct me that I'll walk with shoes of the gospel of peace on my feet. What we're talking about here is a modern warrior who is wired, hardwired in to the commander, who is ready and willing and is involved in the war. If you're a civilian in a war zone, you're likely to die. We're not civilians. We're in the army of the Lord. Get dressed. Get ready. The day of evil is upon us. Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you. Fashioned 
like a 